Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This ad brought to you by the Cato Institute. Which U.S. state is the freest? Which is the least free? See how your state ranks at the Cato Institute's new web project and free publication, freedominthe50states.org. With just weeks left for Congress to cut a deal and keep the government running, the Senate once again appears ready to take the lead, moving a short-term stopgap spending bill and turn the tables on the House of Representatives. It wouldn't be the first time the usually more deliberative body has acted decisively on government funding while the fractious House Republican caucus argues with itself. And it comes with an eye on the clock. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is eager to let vulnerable Republican senators get out of Washington and return to the campaign trail. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Budget and Economics Editor Jane Norman, Roll Call Senior Editor David Hawkins, and CQ Healthcare Reporter Andrew Siddons. Jane, we're talking about a so-called continuing resolution. It would extend funding past September 30th and into the next fiscal year. Everyone knows it's going to happen, but there are disagreements over how long to extend funding and over how to package this spending, right? That's right. Basically, the the dissent is over whether the continuing resolution, which is a stopgap spending bill, uh, we need to do this because funding for the government will run out on September 30th. And if you don't extend it, you have to shut down at least part of the government. So it is one of the must-do items that Congress has on its agenda this month. The question is, do you extend it just into December, right after the election, so Congress can come back in what we call a lame duck session and work on it then? Or do you extend it all the way into 2017? Uh, maybe as long as March 2017, after the new Congress and the new president are in office. Uh, Conservative House members aren't eager to go along with uh, the Senate Republican leader McConnell, uh, who wants the lame duck option. Uh, They want to push the CR way into next year after a new Congress and president settles in. Why is that? They don't like a lame duck session. There's a group of about 40 members known as the House Freedom Caucus who have a lot of problem with legislating at the end of the year, after the election, in a rush, in one bill maybe, or even two or three bills that have everything tied up into them. They would like this to go into the new year so they have more time to to consider how to do spending and probably some more time to have their priorities included. Now, there may be there's a lot of there's a lot more to it than this. Uh, some of them are also are floating the idea of having a provision in this continuing resolution that would halt the resettlement of Syrian refugees in the United States. So some of us are wondering if, in fact, they may if they can get that included, they may settle for the continuing resolution that goes into December. It's all part of the deal making that goes on in Congress, particularly with deadlines like this one coming up. It's interesting because Speaker Paul Ryan, who controls a more robust Republican majority in the House than Senator McConnell has in the Senate, is left negotiating with rank-and-file members, not with the other congressional leaders. Is there any way that he can satisfy all the various factions within his caucus? 
Wow, I wish I knew how. Um, I, I think that's the question a lot of us have been asking all year. Uh, this is a really tough situation for Speaker Ryan and one where he's going to have to force a decision. And it's a, a situation he really hasn't had so far as Speaker. Uh, Speaker Boehner had to do this last year uh, and deal with the Freedom Caucus. And a lot of a lot of conservative members came away very, very unhappy about this. It's a possibility that Speaker Ryan will have to seek the support of Democrats to get this stopgap spending bill through. Uh, it's, it's possible that uh, he may have to give way on language in a Zika bill uh, dealing with Planned Parenthood that a lot of conservatives are very opposed to. It'll be really interesting to see how he deals with this. So David Hawkins, with control of the Senate very much in play in the November elections, it's clearly to the Republicans' advantage to beat it out of town and not be stuck in Washington publicly disagreeing. Uh, that's, that is true. Some years, Congress decides that it's in its best interest to stick around and look like it's working or, or maybe even do some work into deep into October. But uh, in recent years, it's become more and more the norm uh, that, that Congress makes the opposite decision, that they're not getting much done and that the best thing they can do is, you know, hang up, hang things, uh, hang up their uh, legislative pens with plenty of weeks to go before the election, go back home and say, you know, if you reelect me, we'll do better next year. That's what's going on now. But more importantly than that even uh, is the notion that the last thing the Republicans want uh, is to send the signal to the voters who already view Congress with a dismal low approval ratings, not quite the record. Now they're at about, you know, a lofty 13 percent. So they're not in single digits anymore. They actually haven't been above 20 percent uh, since right before the last presidential election. So they're at really low approval ratings. The last thing that Congress could do and to lower those approval ratings is to look like they can't even get what's called the most basic job of government done, which is keeping the doors to the government open. Uh, the last thing that the Republicans want, especially with uh, the Donald Trump candidacy sort of as a millstone around their necks already, is to look even less competent than they already are appearing to the public. Uh, can Democrats in Congress and, and their ally uh, in the White House throw up any roadblocks to uh, an orderly departure? Uh, they will that, – well, the, the biggest roadblock that they can throw up is the no roadblock, uh, is that they're not going to get any affirmative victories out of this fight, uh, but they can they can bide for time and make life look more complicated for the Republicans than it already is. And then they can – their hope, of course, the Democrats' hope is that there will be a lame duck session, that this CR will only last into November or December and that, and that if they – they feel like they're then the winners either way. If the Republicans have lost power, if they've lost the White House and the Senate, then the Republicans are going to want to cut the best deal possible before they have to give over the, the keys to the executive suite in January. And the Democrats feel like they can get some money out of them then and some, some of their priorities. And or if the debate is pushed into the new year and it's a, a President Hillary Clinton and a majority leader Chuck Schumer in the Senate, they feel like then they're going to be in the driver's seat. So they sort of feel like after the election, they win either way. Yeah, Jane spoke a little of the distrust that the most conservative House members have for lame duck sessions and the potential deal making that their leaders can engage in. How can that be when they practically implored Paul Ryan to be the speaker just a few months back or less than a year ago, hailed him as the only Republican who could unite their various factions? Uh, <laughs> that was then and this is now. Paul Ryan has, I think, done in in only a year on the job. He sort of held held – uh, all this fractiousness in balance uh, after the election, 
when mem- when probably several dozen House members, either through defeat or retirement, will be freed of all political considerations, uh, they will be able to uh, make whatever hay they want. And, and, and it's the least political time in the cycle, in the 24-month political cycle. Some members have called it the golden moment. It's the only time where they don't have to raise money. They're actually – nobody is expecting them to raise more money for an election that's 23 months down the road. Uh, they've just won re-election or they've – at least they know their fate. Either they're leaving or they're coming back and they will be feeling somewhat frisky. Andrew Siddons, while all this fighting is going on over government spending, you've detected a desire in Congress to address synthetic drug abuse, and it comes just months after the lawmakers tried to tackle opioid abuse. Uh, What's driving the new effort? Well, there have been a lot of high-profile overdose and overdose deaths in recent months um, that have come as you have people like Rob Portman, senator from Ohio, campaigning for re-election, campaigning on the fact that his... uh, the opioid bill that he sponsored was signed into law. Meanwhile, you have 200 people overdosing from an elephant tranquilizer in the Cincinnati area last month, uh, including three deaths. And the bill that was passed didn't um, explicitly address uh, this kind of aspect of the the drug abuse and overdose epidemic, which was uh, synthetic drugs, which are distinct, which can be derived from some opioids, but are distinct. It also includes drugs uh, with street names like K2 or Spice, which are considered synthetic marijuana, even though all they really are is herbs dusted with chemicals and aren't related to marijuana at all. Those are another kind of drug that play into this. Uh, A big focus of this current effort appears to be the painkiller fentanyl, uh, many times stronger than morphine. And this was linked to the death of the musician Prince? Right. Fentanyl is probably driving more uh, overdose deaths than any of the other synthetic um, or lab-developed drugs. It's it's similar to opioids, but unlike... uh, Things like oxycodone or heroin, which are derived from um, the opium from uh, poppy seed, this is all uh, lab-derived, uh, man-made, and part and it's often laced within heroin or passed off as heroin, but much more powerful. So people who think they might be using heroin or a traditional opiate are getting the more powerful fentanyl and overdosing from it. Now, you noted in your reporting that because illegal synthetic drug makers can tweak their formulas uh, to avoid being considered a controlled substance, uh, the proposals that are being circulated are focusing on other aspects of the problem. Uh, Who in particular are you watching? Right. So the DEA is concerned that if you just schedule more of these drugs and make them illegal substances, you're tipping off the, the drug makers and saying... You know, and when they change the formulation of their drug, uh, then it's not illegal all of a sudden. So that makes it harder for the DEA and law enforcement agencies to prosecute uh, the drug makers. So some of the proposals that um, Senator Portman, for instance, along with uh, Senator Ayotte and Ron Johnson, all three vulnerable Republican incumbents, it's worth noting, um, the proposal they're pushing is to make it easier for the Postal Service to track illegal shipments of these drugs. Senator Pat Toomey, another uh, person up for re-election in Pennsylvania, has um, been pushing the idea that a lot of uh, these synthetic drugs are coming from China um, or other places overseas. So just cutting them off from the source is a is a big push. And the White House recently, um, during President Obama's trip to China, was able to get Beijing to promise that they would start cracking down more on 
synthetic makers in that country. Now, the drugs do have some legitimate medical uses. Would tighter controls squelch some necessary research? That's another fear that some people have over just scheduling more of them. Um, the pharmaceutical lobby in Washington um, doesn't think that Congress should just be legislating drugs onto the schedule of controlled substances because it could make it harder for researchers to access things. Um, fentanyl, for instance, is actually a legitimate pharmaceutical. And you know, some people uh, need it for treatment of pain. Another issue that could potentially block, you know, some efforts to schedule more of these substances is mandatory minimums. The more illegal substances that are out there, the easier it could be for low-level drug violators to end up in jail. So that's another concern. CQ Healthcare reporter Andrew Siddons, Roll Call Senior Editor David Hawkins, and CQ Budget and Economics Editor Jane Norman, my thanks. Thanks for joining us. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts. Have a good week.